to continue our study in the book of Romans. Uh, today we're going to be in Romans uh, chapter 7. And today we're just going to be looking at one um, verse. Uh, again, Romans um, chapter 7. We're going to be looking at one verse this morning. But uh, to get some context to this one verse, um, I'm going to go back up to chapter 6, verse 20. To give us some context of what Paul is getting at in chapter 7, verse 1. Um, th this chapter 7 is going to set the stage, or this one verse is going to set the stage of, um, of what Paul is going to do in the rest of the chapter. Again, the, the famous verses that we know of in chapter 7, it's, it comes in at kind of at the end. Um, at the end of uh, chapter 7, like verse 21. So I find it to be the law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hands. Um, and so those verses that Paul is trying to, we say that Paul is fighting back and forth. And um, we don't really understand what Paul is getting at. If we don't get the first part of this right in chapter 7. And also how chapter 6 relates to it. So I'm going to read chapter 6, uh, verse 20. I'm going to stop at verse 1. And, uh, and Lord's willing in the weeks ahead, we can continue breaking down chapter 7. So, Romans chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the, that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and is in eternal life. For the ways of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 7. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. Let me pray for us and uh, kind of just work through this question today and kind of bring this back up to what we get, what brought us to this question. And the rest of the chapter is going to deal with uh, kind of um, continual waiting of the insurance in Christ that we're not a slave to sin anymore. That's what kind of gave me like the premise of this. So let me pray for us and um, let's get right into our test, fam. Father God, in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, again, Lord, for bringing us back again to your word. Um, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to, to help us understand your word. Help me preach your word faithfully. Um, help me, Lord, uh, not only preach this word to your people, but preach this to my own heart. Um, areas of my life, Lord, that I'm not trusting you in, Lord, reveal that at this time. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to just help us through your word. Um, let your spirit, Lord, move in a special way. Um, bring about revival in the Christian heart that the Christian, Lord, can be reminded of what you have done for us and what you continue to do for us. And, um, and as we walk out this Christian life, let us be encouraged at this time, Lord. So, Lord, we ask you to bless us, Lord. We ask you to keep us and, um, and help us, Lord, be attentive to your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Sometimes things might not be as they may seem. 
I ran across a couple years ago of a, a situation that happened off the coast of Nigeria. It was a tugboat that flipped over in the Atlantic Ocean. I don't know if y'all have heard about that. It was a tugboat that flipped over in the Atlantic Ocean back in 2013. The boat sunk to the seabed, right to the ocean bed. It sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Submerged underwater, this ship was. One crew person, crew person was died. They died, got drowned. Then another person drowned. Then another person drowned. But the fourth person, right? And this is, again, this is 60 hours, like three days later. The fourth person was found alive. How in the world are you alive under the ocean? And the ship is submerged with water. The guy's name was Harrison Oakney. I just his name, I'm gonna just say Harrison. When the tugboat flipped over, it made an air pocket that wasn't able to escape. So some air that was sitting in there wasn't able to get out of there. You guys might can see this, for example. You put a, get a water bottle, you flip a water bottle upside down, what does the air do? It go to the top of that bottle, isn't it? It can't get out. Well, think about an ant being in that bottle. And an ant is drowning, and the ant goes all the way up to the top. The ant has air from that pocket. The same way this huge ship that flipped over the tugboat, I mean the tug, the ship, the tugboat flipped over. This guy Harrison was able to, to find a pocket of air that wasn't able to leave out. And that's what he was able to use to be able to breathe. I see sometimes the Christian life we find ourselves looking very similar to a situation like this. We find ourselves in a situation that we see that all around us, it seems like disparity, sinful life. And even at times we've seen ourselves partaking sin. And we see at times like, wow, how can I really be a believer when we see the struggles of the Christian life? Remember, what things may seem are times not true. Sin would never have dominion on us because Christ has dominion over his church. We don't stay in dark moments. Eventually brings us out. Like that air pocket that God has used in a way of to be able to preserve and save the life of Harrison. In the same way, God always leaves us with something. Or I'm going to say leaves us. He doesn't leave us. But God always gives us something, right, as the Christian life for us to continue in the Christian walk. So we might get sidetracked at times. But when we get sidetracked, God turns us around, even in what we got sidetracked with, to turn us around to use us to conform us to the image of the Son for those that are true believers. Amen. So Harrison was brought out from the seabed alive. Family, we'll, we will be brought out from the personal struggles in the Christian life. We'll be brought out alive in Christ for those that are truly in Christ. But time again, it seems like sin has dominion over us. 
And this is connected to our test today. Paul is continuing reminding us that we are not under the law. That sin is not over us. That we're not under sin anymore. It might look like it at times, but it's not true. Because we will be rescued as a Christian. We're going to do this in two points today. By being under the law, it showed us that we were enslaved to sin. Point number two. By being under the law, it showed us that we were bound to the law. And I can tell you this sermon today, I would say, not under the law. Not under the law. One person says this, Paul now develops the idea of not being under the law, insisting that believers must be set free from the binding authority of the law in Moses in order to enjoy the new life in Christ. The possibility that this teaching and this teaching might be interpreted as despairingly the law, despairingly the law leads to Paul to assert in fact that the law is holy and righteous and good. So this message is not, and I talk about this in here shortly about what to do with the law. But let's keep this in the context as we study this in the next few weeks ahead, not getting the wrapped up of the struggle of the Christian life. This, this text focus is not about the struggle of the Christian life. This text is focusing on is that regardless of the struggles of the Christian life, we're not understanding. That we are truly in Christ, that we are in Christ and no one can take us away from Christ we in Christ forevermore, no matter what we go through, that we are secured in Christ forever. For all of us in this room. Y'all look good this morning. Some of us might got Burberry on. And some of us, you know, got plaited shirts on. Some of us got white hoodies on. But no matter what we got on this morning, we all in this room, room that are that are believers, no matter who we are in this room. Is that dominion would never dominion of sin would never rule over us again? It would never happen again. It would never happen. Do you mess up? Yes. And I'm not giving you a, 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 a excuses to mess up. If you enjoy messing up, I would say you're not even a believer. If you just enjoy doing it. But for those that know they messed up and weeping over their sins, Paul is reminding you that hey. Christ has dominion over you. Not the law, not sin. Christ has dominion over you. So Paul is still dealing with assurance in this. He's, he's dealing with assurance. And later on, Paul uses himself as an example in a way of what he deals with. But ultimately, though, Paul is getting that, that he has assurance in Christ. He has assurance in Christ. So jump with me in point number one. By being under the law, it showed us that we were enslaved to sin. He says right here, so or do you not know, brothers? Paul's continuing the thought. I, I just mentioned it from chapter six. He lays out in chapter six that sin does not have dominion over us, over us as believers. He says this right here in chapter 6 and verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign over your mortal bodies to make you obey his passion. 
Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. That was Miss Kathy just said in her prayer, in the precious dear Lord, that Christ has dominion over us, not sin. There would never be a time that sin would have dominion over the believer, what I just mentioned. And Paul is drilling this thought through us so we won't question our salvation. We won't question these things because if Christ should have saved us, he keeps us. We should have total assurance in Christ. During our good days, Mr. Neese, and during our bad days, Christ is forever our king and forever the groom over the church. There will never be a time in the future that Christ will not be the groom of his church. He will always be the groom of his church and will never in the history or eternity, future, future eternity, it will never be a time that Christ is not gonna be married to his bride. And by being married to Christ and being a part of being his bride, that we get everything that Christ get. Y'all hear that story about them NBA players, right? They get a divorce and the wife get half of the money or more than the money or whatever the case may be. As Christians, again, I mean, that's a gospel illustration. Ain't it? Right? As Christians, we get all everything that belongs to Jesus, we get. Everything belongs to him, we get to enjoy with him. He reigns forever. And guess what? We're going to be able to get seated in holy places as well. And it's going to be for us forevermore. This is good news. Because the earthly kingdom come and go. The dominion has a date on it. Roman Empire. The Syrian Empire. The Egyptian Empire. The Numian Empire. All of these empires come and go. Soviet Union and, and, and America allies. America is not going to last forever. Russia is not going to last forever. China is not going to last forever. But one kingdom that will last forever is the kingdom of Jesus. Amen. And that kingdom that Jesus sits on is going to last past all these other kingdoms. But we put so much time in these earthly kingdoms. And these earthly kingdoms are going to be fragile. And they're going to break down like every other kingdom that happened in the past. Christ is better than every earthly king because his kingdom is extended not only on earth, but his kingdom is extended all over to heaven. Because family, by us being part of Christ's church, we are sojourners. We are ambassadors of Christ. Like, we, this is not our home. But we are representing Christ, his kingdom here on this land. But our home is heaven with Christ. And so Christ's kingdom extends from earth to heaven. Let's just show you his reign. And his reign doesn't have an end to it. His kingdom is everywhere. And there is never a time or never a place outside of his jurisdiction. Because he is our king and not sin. And also in chapter 6, we learn that we're under grace, but that doesn't give us a license to sin. No way a true believer is enjoying their sin. Hey, I'm going to do this and hey, God will forgive me. 
if your posture saying, I'm going to do this and God, God going to forgive me, that's not a heart of a believer. That's not a heart of a believer. But a true heart of a believer in a way of is that, Lord, I have sinned. I have failed against you, Lord. I have broken your commandments, Lord. Lord, forgive me. Clean me thoroughly, Lord. Clean me, Lord. I have sinned. But a person that comes in and says, hey, 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 one time won't hurt. Some people before me did a lot worse than me. And they going to heaven. So guess what? I can get away this one time. If you don't have a fear of God and just okay with getting rid of sin, getting, getting away with sin that one time, that's what I was questioning. Are you a believer? It, every single second of the Christian life, we're fighting it. Man, nah, that's wrong. Man, that's messed up, man. If I do that, that's messed up. Man, that, that's not the right thing to do. That's not. If you don't have that conviction in you of being able to see, you don't have a fear of God. But a true believer in a way of is like, man, I'm struggling, man. I shouldn't be doing this. I'm, I, I'm fighting. You're back and forth. You're, you're, fight, you're fighting by the power of the spirit. That's something different. And that's, that's me, fam. To be honest with you, it is a struggle. And sometimes in the moment that sin might get the best in that moment, then I weep over my sins later. But if it's more like, hey, man, hey, I'm going to ask God to forgive me. I'm going to do it. Paul is now is getting at is, you know, that's not true repentance. That's not true people of faith. But the true people of faith are people fighting it every day. A coworker made me bad mad, you know, and man. And that second you cussed them out and you're looking back over like, man, that was wrong. That was totally wrong. Let, let me go to them. And let me let me get things right and be able to make things. That's the heart of a believer. Not cuss them out, but the heart of a believer in a way of coming back, you know you're wrong, and you go back and make that make that right. You know, that, that's a true heart of a a believer in repentance and they seek the Lord. We find our sin daily. Paul used a strong term to make this fact known. And he said in verse 15 of chapter 6, What then are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? He's, he, it's like he stops on the brakes. By no means. He says, since we're under grace, I don't mean you just go ahead and sin. He said, by no means. He's screaming. I mean, I said last week. It's like a car coming, a kid running across the street. You're not going to say, hey, Johnny, a car is coming. Shouldn't run across the street. Who would say something like that? Oh, Rihanna, you say that? Well, for the most part, not everybody's going to be like Leronica. Oh, Leronica. Rihanna. You see somebody crossing the street, Crossing the street and about to hit by a bus, you're gonna scream and say, What? Stop! Stop! You're gonna yell! You're gonna yell at the top of your lungs, stop! And that's what Paul is yelling right at the top of his lungs. Paul is saying, By no means. He used emphatic language, letting us know, though, is that if you're under grace, you cannot continue in sin. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one who you obey? Either sin, or which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. If you continue obeying sin, it's going to lead to death. But he said, by no means. Paul boldly makes it clear that we're not permitted to continue in sin, 
since we are under grace. We're not a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. But now Paul today starts a new discussion. But it will come at another angle to remind us that we are under grace and enslaved and not enslaved to the law. So Paul's going to say the same thing again at another angle that we're not enslaved to the law. We're not under the law in a way of you're under the law. We're under grace. So he's going to do it at another angle. Paul will accomplish the same thing by pointing us to grace and not a comfortable life in sin. But a life of assurance in Christ. There's no possible way that we have been reconciled to the Father and the Son is a slave to sin again. There's no way. It can't happen. Christian church, our reconciliation is not like them slot, them slot machines at the casino. I saw some of y'all on them advertising videos. One day you hit the jackpot, then one day you lose everything. The grace we are given in Christ is forever. It doesn't change since your circumstances change. It is forever and it's faithful. What we are in Christ is there. Nobody changes that. It's there. It's secured. Who we are in Christ. So Paul gets at this. Or do you not know, brothers? So the or points the or points back to chapter six, and then now he gets at the brothers here in this Roman church. Point number two: by being under the law, it shows us that we were bound to the law. For I am, I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. Paul gives another reason to remember that we aren't bound to the law. Remember in chapter 1 and 2, the people that was actually bound to the law. Who were they? It's the Gentiles and the Jews. In chapter 1, right, he talks about this. You know, about nature and, and about they had a law in chapter 2 that both Jews and Gentiles, that the Gentiles, even though they didn't have an oracle law, they had the law written on their hearts. And that, that for them, they died right in their sins with the law written in their hearts, they still go to hell. Now for the Jews that had the law that was written in the, in, the, in, in, in the Torah, in the Old Testament, or the Pentateuch, for them having the law, and they actually disobeyed the law, they go to hell. So on both sides is that everybody's guilty over here broken the law. So I'm speaking to those who know the law. That the law is bonded on a person only as he lives. Once we die, we're no longer tied to this agreement. We're no longer blown to it anymore. Blown to it anymore. Once you die, you're not bound to that agreement anymore. This, this agreement of the covenant of works. At first, we was agreed that we we have to do this to make it to heaven. We had to live a perfect, righteous life to make it to heaven. That was the agreement. Did we do it? We brought that agreement. And so death reigns on us now then, within that agreement. So Zoe, if I make an agreement with you, 
Say, hey, I tell you what, Zoe, if you wash my car, I'll wash your car five times. That's the agreement. Okay, Zoe, you never wash my car. Do I have to keep the agreement to wash your car five times? No, because you didn't fulfill your part of this agreement. And for us, we had this agreement with God and God established this agreement. For us, when we was born into this world, that the agreement was that you all have to live this perfect life. You all have to keep all these laws. But at any moment that you didn't keep these perfect laws, you break the agreement. And by breaking the agreement now, you get everything that comes from breaking this law, which is death and punishment. Well, what happened when a person dies then? Now, the agreement is not there anymore. One person says this. Paul now developed the idea of not being under the law, insisting that believers must be set free from binding authority of the law of Moses in order to enjoy the new life of Christ. The binding authority of the law of Moses was that you do all these things, you get this. Family, we haven't did it. The bonding and law of Moses, we broke. Paul also goes on in Galatians 3 and said this, and uh, it's over at this. For all who rely on the worst of the law are under a curse. For all who rely on the worst of the law. If you want to say, hey, I'm the big baddest man jam in this room, I'm going to keep all these laws. Okay, keep all the law in. Trust in the law. And you're going to be held responsible and accountable for what you didn't keep in this law. And what is it is? You're going to receive the curse. For is it written, curse to be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law? It didn't say some things, Jacob. It's in by all things in the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. I know y'all look good like church folks. You can't be saved by keeping the law yourself because you haven't kept it. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Brother, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the law, from the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us. We deserve the curse. We should have kept the law. But Christ kept the law. And by Christ kept the law, he still got the curse. Jerry, he still got the curse. Curses everyone who is hanging on a tree. And this word tree is the same word we get from wood and uh, wood, the same word we get for the word Christ. I mean cross. Christ was hung on the cross. So that Christ had to be punished because he became a curse for us. 
Mr. Denise, has Christ ever did anything wrong? He took the sin upon him. And by doing that now, he has to get punished on him. Was it his sin? Whose sin was it? It was our sins of the believers. It was our sins that was placed on him. And for him, he had to be punished as the one that did never kept keep the law. Jesus. So the curse of everyone who hangs on the tree, so that Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. The promised spirit through faith. What does it mean? Our faith is believing in something outside of ourselves. Our faith, it believes not in our words and keeping the law. The faith believes in someone else that kept the law for us. So when we say we believe in Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How's it go, so? Whoever believes, believes is a verb, it's pistos. Believe and faith is the same word. One of them is just a noun and one of them is a verb. So believe and faith is the same thing. So having faith is somebody that truly believes in Jesus. And believing in Jesus has kept the law, that believing in him, we obtain righteousness from him. The law condemns the unbeliever. But the believer is redeemed through Jesus who has kept the law. This is why unbelievers are enslaved to the law because law is what will condemn them. For people that are not believing in Jesus, I can do all these good things. Your good things are going to be the same thing that's going to condemn you. All the lists you got, all the good things you got, all those things are going to be before you, before God, when God judges the world. Yeah, you helped. You did all these certain things. You did it to be seen. You did it to be patted on the back. You did this way to show people how much you know. Not going shot. You did it to be able to do it for all these different reasons. But in the day, he's smiling now. Look at him smiling. But in the day, God knows who we are. God knows who we are. And we're doing everything outside of faith, we're doing it out of pride. And God sees us. He sees me. He sees you. He sees all of us in this room. But for those that are in Christ, again, we look to Christ as in faith in Christ. For by grace we have been saved through faith. How's it going, Lena? That's not of yourself. It's a gift from God. It's not about works that anyone should boast. It's a gift from God. Our faith is in Jesus. For unbelievers, they can't separate from the law because they have to be faced the judgment of it. But for those that believe we are not enslaved by the law, because we won't have to face the wrath that comes with it. We get an eternal life from Christ. 
not the law. Because Christ has fulfilled the law. We are set free from the law. This is not antinomianism. Antinomianism is two words. It's trying to say, you know, against the law. Nomos is law in Greek. And anti is trying to say against in Greek. So it's saying this is against the law. Paul, this is not against the law. But we are people that by the spirit, we keep the commandments out of joy. We know that from 1 John 2, right? About the commandments. I can quote it. Y'all want me to. That for us, we have the commandments written on our hearts. That by, by, by being led by the spirit, we keep the commandments of God. No way say, I give you no new commandment. This is an old commandment that you have heard, right? From the beginning. This is the same commandment. Not for words righteousness. It's our new nature to love our spouse, not covet, not use his name in vain, and the rest of these Ten Commandments. By the Spirit, we want to do those things. We don't do it to check out the list. I ain't... I, 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 um, you know, I did this so I can get. You know, I love my spouse, so I get heaven. Uh, well, I um, I didn't covet today. I'm check mark. I, I don't. I don't. I get heaven because I didn't do this. I'm mean, just going down a little check marking. That's not us as a Christian life. The spirit that God has given to us, our nature now. That's what we want. That's what's part of who we are now. We want to do the good things of God now. We want to obey the commandments. Not to get to heaven, we better commandments because that's who we are. If we're still trying to do things to get to heaven, we don't understand the gospel. We now do what is in the law by the new nature of the Christian life. Not for words righteousness, but by the new heart we have in Christ. See, we are set free from the demands of the law. We are not bound by the law anymore. But the law is now written on our hearts. The law was there to condemn us. But now the law of Christ is on our hearts now to show the world what Christ has done and what Christ has given to us, his spirit. Amen. So we still keep the law now, but we don't keep it as a demand. Now we have the law in a way of we keep it by the spirit because the love of Christ is in us. We're not bound to it, to the law, but we're bound to God's grace. As I wrap up, let me quote from A.W. Pink on, on grace. Listen to these, this word from uh, Pink. Divine grace, Jacob, is the sovereign and saving favor of God exercised and the bestowment of blessing upon those who have no merit in them. Did y'all hear that? They have no merit in them, and for which no compensation is demanded from them. It is the favor of God shown to those who not only have no positive desert of their own, but who are thoroughly ill, deserving, and hell deserving. It is completely unmerited and unsought, and is altogether unattractive by anything in or from or by the object upon which it is bestowed. Grace can neither be bought, it can be earned, nor won 
by the creature. If it could be, it would cease to be grace. When a thing is said to be a grace, we mean that the recipient has no claim upon it. That it was in no wise do him. It comes to him as pure charity. In it, in at first, unacts and undesired. Amen. Can we get some of these? That's good, yeah. Family, it ain't grace if we're still trying to work for it. <laughs> we're not saved by grace if we're still trying to work for it. But we're saved by grace. He has done all the work for us. And by doing it for us, family, we can sleep good at night. I was on a trip not too long ago and somebody was snoring. And they were sleeping good. They were resting real good. Family, that should be us in the Christian life. That should be us in the Christian life. That we should be snoring and resting in Jesus because he's done it all for us. Some of y'all ain't snoring enough. Because y'all working and trying and trying. Rest upon him. He have done it for us. And by resting, you get some good sleep. You get some good rest. Good rest. You're, you're charged up every day knowing that I can go out into the world and Jesus has kept the law for me. And let me go lead us out for Christ. We're not bound by the law. We are now bound by grace of God because we are not we don't have to keep the demands of the law because Christ has kept the demands for us for Christ was under the demands of the law and he kept all the laws to the T he kept them so we wouldn't have to face the consequences of breaking the law he kept the law to honor his father by redeeming the people for the father let me end with a couple applications I see some of y'all already starting to yawn. I'm going to stop before y'all start snoring. The law was good for us when, we're, when, we're, when we were unbelievers. The law was good for us when we were unbelievers because the law showed us our sins. We wouldn't know the need of a Savior if we didn't know our sins. Unbelievers that are here today, the law show you that you need a savior. The law is good. If you didn't have those Ten Commandments, you'd think you're a pretty good person. You think you're not a bad person. But you still ask yourself the question, though, have I ever lied before? Have I done these things before? We start understanding God's standards. Then you start seeing that based upon God's standard, I'm not a good person. But based upon my own standard, I am a good person. So what standard should I go off of? Should I go off my standard or should I go off God's standard? If you want to go off your standard, well, you can go ahead and go off your standard. And your standard is going to lead to condemnation. But if you go off God's standard and seeing who you truly are, it leads to repentance. So unbelievers. Them simple little Ten Commandments, we read some of them today in, in our congregational reading. Those commandments are the best thing you got going for you right now in your life as an unbeliever. The Ten Commandments are the best thing and you got going for you in your life. Not a basketball team and not a football team, not all A's in schools. The best thing you got going for you as an unbeliever is God's law.
Because the God's laws will stop you in your track and let you see if you need a Savior. Second thing, for us believers, the law is good too as well. So it's good for unbelievers, it is good for believers. It shows us as believers, it shows the world the hearts of believers. That now we love one another with the heart of Christ. Is the same as keeping the law. If you love each other, how are we going to break the law? If you love each other, you won't commit adultery. If you love each other, you won't covet. If you love each other, you won't use the Lord's name in vain. If you love each other, you won't dishonor your parents. You have respect for your parents. So family, for those that are truly in Christ, that love Christ, the law is already seen in our lives because we truly love in Christ, the law is fulfilled. When you love like Christ, you won't commit these various sins. Application number three, the last one. I want to end with this again. The law cannot save anyone. The law can't save you. You have so many religions in this world, or so many different people that don't think they're, they have their own religions. So many belief systems in this world, they think they can do more good than bad to make it to heaven. They think the only the law that they have, the country that God has given all humanity, right? They feel like they can do more good than bad. And at the end, if they do more good than the person beside them, they make it to heaven. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. You will never be able to do enough good to make it to heaven in of yourselves. One sin disqualifies you forever. One sin disqualifies you forever and ever. Because God is holy. So, for those that are unbelievers, I would say repent. Look at those commandments. Parents, talk the commandments over to your kids tonight. Talk to them about the, the law. Talk to them about those things. Believers, be encouraged. Go love everybody around you. And as you do that, People can ask you with the hope that is in you. Let me pray for us.